The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. And, and him and Alice Keeler were like, they suck. Everybody that's using them is sucky. And let's just burn them all. Let's be fair. I don't think that that's what we said. Yeah, you did. Friends, welcome to this special edition of Dig It or Ditch It. So we are here with our friend, our Justin Timberlake, Noah Geisel, for our 100th episode. This is episode 100 of On Education. I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate thing to do than this. I I was excited about it instantly. And so we are digging or ditching it on episode 100. Yes. Can't believe it's a episode 100. Yeah, congratulations, oh. y'all. The uh, On Education has been on it. <laughs> 100 episodes. Hats off to you. Were you working on that one all day? You think it takes just one day to come up with stuff that good, Mike? <laughs> Solid material. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that was weeks. I've been saving that up since episode 32. <laughs> just hoping we would get waiting to this for, moment. Waiting for the right time. Fantastic. Well, Noah, we, we threw a gauntlet down. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you're rising to the challenge or not, but we don't know what's going on. This is how it goes. Noah is going to ask us um, some questions. Uh, we don't know what the questions are. Uh, and he's looking for hot or at the very least mediocre takes on 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 these questions. We want to see what's up digging it or ditching it. So uh, so take it away, friend. That's right. And for this 100th episode special, we are going to go on theme. Everything should have something to do with a hundred. And uh, we're going to start off, Mike, by just ditching the uh, at least lukewarm takes. We are zeros or hundreds for, for this uh, dig it or ditch it. We are extremely hot takes, um, whether we are digging or ditching. And so we, we're going to start off, uh, Glenn because well, Mike might need to ease into the to the extremely hot takes. Uh, the 100% emoji, dig it or ditch it? 100% emoji. Eh, I'm ditching that thing. I have so many other emojis that I use on my on my list. I'm just opening up my phone here. I don't even I don't even know the last time I've even used the 100%. You know uh, when you use it when it comes up and you don't want it to. The hundred percent emoji is trash. <laughs> uh, is that a is that a ditch, Mike? Yeah, it's a hard ditch. Hard ditch. I, I hate that thing. This is a great one because I freaking hate the hundred percent emoji. Probably mainly because I say a hundred percent a lot, like in like in that way, and it always comes up, and I don't want it because it looks stupid. Can we just make it look better? Even are, are you pulling it up so you can see what it looks like? I'm just looking at it right now and going, hmm, 
I, I, I don't garbage. even think I've ever used it, but I've seen other people use it. Yes. I, I agree. I'm ditching it. Um, so dumb. <laughs> I, I actually have a garbage can ahead of the 100%. <laughs> I don't know when the last time I used the garbage can, but I have one here on my Perfect. list. That'll be when you use it. You use the 100% emoji and then put the garbage can after it to remind you. And, and clarifying question, Michael, what about when the 100% emoji is used in triplicate? Oh, that's a big number. What is that number? I don't know, Matt. Well, it's just three <laughs> 100s in a row. I think it's more of an emph- more of an emphasis thing than a bigger number. Still trash. Can we just make it <laughs> like it's a design thing that I it's it's an ugly emoji let's just can we do a, a 100 and then a percent sign like is it that hard how hard can it be <laughs> to make a proper 100 percent emoji for christ's sake i just i'm looking at it right now i actually always thought it was one dollar right you don't even know what it is it's you know i, I always thing. said i was like a teacher and you know your teacher's um, underlying I'm, I'm a fan of the 100 percent emoji i agree there is there is what well, i'm digging it I, there are serious? definite better emojis. There are better gifts, and it's a classic. Like nobody ever misinterprets. What 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 did you mean by that? Oh. They, they know what you mean with the hundred percent. No, no. They, they, when they say "What do you mean by that?" they actually don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on from that softball, Mike, and and go to uh, go to another one. How about giving a hundred percent of students the same grade on a group project? Dig Ooh. it or ditch it, Mr. Washburn. Oh. Ooh. Ditching it. I might have dug it a couple years ago, but I'm ditching it now. Um, one of the things that I've learned, you know, ironically and disappointingly since I've left the classroom, is that there are way better ways to assess group projects than assessing the final product. I talk about this actually quite a bit, and uh, we've had actually um, my my our, our friend AJ Giuliani on, and he is brilliant at He's talking great. about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, great is an understatement. And he blew my freaking mind when we were together. And he started talking to me about the, the grid rubric and, and, um, er, and, and about project-based assessment. And I was just like, the, the things that I didn't, I, it, the things I didn't do are embarrassing at this point. Um, I missed so many opportunities to do such a better job than I did. And this is absolutely one of them. So I would have dug it in the past and I would be absolutely ditching it. Hard ditch now, hot take hard ditch. Um, Definitely a hard ditch along with Mike. And I think that's the reason why if you ever have, I know that some teachers complain about students, uh, as far as when group work happens, that one student ends up taking over the whole entire project. And that's because they know that their grade is dependent upon kind of this group functioning at a high level that they may not even have chosen their group or what, even if they had, they end up taking over because they know they want to achieve at whatever it is, the level that they want to achieve and they are bringing everybody along with them. So they're taking over. Uh, which ends up happening uh, quite often, especially if, if if you're evaluating their projects in this manner. So 100% for every student, no thanks. Give it up. Though though I'm exactly like Mike, I'll admit, I did it in the past too. You know, and may, maybe, you know, people are currently doing it. 
just evaluate whether why you would actually want to do that and then think about the consequences of just that action and how you can actually change it. And there's a bunch of resources, for example, uh, AJ Giuliani's resources that you can see. How could you do it differently? You know, that that's really interesting, Glenn, the way, the way that you framed it is actually kind of for totally different reasons The where I come in at a dig. And I'm a new dig on this. I think before I would have been a hard ditch because I was that student who – got stuck doing all the work for slackers who, because, you know, I, they were going to get my grade or I was going to get their grade and I wasn't going to let that happen. Um, but I, I, you know, recently saw last week, actually, an article saying that how like the number one job for local employers right now, white collar employers in, in Denver, Colorado, that they cannot fill is project managers. And that's across industry from construction to tech that, that they are desperate for project managers. And when I think about, you know, the student who, you know, is sitting there as a teenager thinking it's really unfair that I, that all these guys are getting the same grade as me when I'm doing all this work. It's also kind of like what it's like in the real world, right? I mean, like when they're just in our own PLCs, I mean, how often have we sat there and like, as a PLC, you know, we were kind of judged you know, as in single organism, not not as individuals. And so in some ways, I think it, it's good preparation for life. I, uh, like I said, I'm a brand new dig on this, but I am a, I am digging it, even though there, there's probably lots of really great reasons why it's terrible pedagogy. I I love that you're a dig. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big surprise. Yeah, we're splitting the, the votes here this week. Um, let's stick on, on the 100% theme with absolutism, saying that an educational website or app is 100% bad. I just saw this today. Oh, my goodness. And it drives me so damn nuts. I freaking hate that. I hate it. I'm an absolute ditch that you would say this one thing is the worst thing in the world. And Mike knows that I've done this to him, too, where I would believe <laughs> when he was talking about smart boards and, and him and Alice Keeler were like, they suck. Everybody that's using them is sucky and let's just burn them all. Let's and be fair. Went, I don't think that that's what we said. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> and so anytime you go to that extreme edge, there's no conversation there. Number one, first of all, to go in and, and, and come in at, but really you got to, you got to gauge like, okay, do you really, have you seen, have you seen this at the highest practice? Like whoever's using the specific tool, what are they using it for and for what purpose? And then if you can see all of that and it's still garbage, then I can say, okay, good. But most, I mean, they just throw out, there's an app out there. And today there was one out there and I saw Noah's response to it. And I was like, ah, oh, I couldn't agree more. Cause I hate when people just destroy on one thing. Like they're like, this thing sucks. And if you use it, you're a sucky teacher too. What do you think, Mike? I'm disappointed that you guys both saw the same thing that, and I didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, listen, I out the app if you so, so you, you're, di- you're digging the FOMO, Mike. <laughs> I am a hot take. <laughs> I'm experiencing some FOMO here. Um, class Dojo, you ever heard of that one, Mike? You know, Class Dojo, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Is yeah. that is so, that the thing that people said was 100% terrible? Yes. And I was like, Class Dojo no, is not 100% terrible. And I used, and I could actually have told them if I had the energy and I didn't at that moment 
told of how I used it in, in the world language classroom yeah. to basically talk about the different skills that students were actually using during class that I really wanted to, um, not that I wanted to promote those specific skills. Right. Uh, Some and people don't use negative points in class like, dojo. Yes. Right? Great work. Great job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, like any other tool, it can be used in a not good way too. Go ahead, of Mike, course. Sorry. Of course, it can be used in a not good way. And, you know, I so I've seen, maybe I have seen the example recently that Class Dojo came up where, you know, there was a very bad use case of Class Dojo that popped up on Twitter the in the last couple of days. So maybe I'm thinking of the same thing. And, you know, that isn't the classic example of how Class Dojo is used. Not even close, to be perfectly honest. Most people use Class, because I've seen, I've seen a ton of this, that a ton of people use Class Dojo to reinforce positive aspects of the classroom experience and don't even use negative points at all. And, you know, so, I mean, but anything in absolutes is bad. Anything yes. in a 100% of anything the 100%. is bad. Including the hundred percent emoji, anything <laughs> in a hundred, anything in a hundred percent is bad. Um, I mean, even our strongest, and I'm pretty strongly opinionated politically, to say the least. And I mean, even then, I I very rarely speak in absolutes, even politically. Even about like Donald Trump and stuff like that. <laughs> Listeners, it took a hundred episodes for it to come out, but Mike Washford cares about politics. <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. If you didn't get it, uh, so yeah, I, I'm 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 ditching absolutes, uh, you know, pretty seriously because yeah, I think that any firm position on on one thing uh, in a way that's intractable or unmovable is is bad for sure. You know, let's have a quick riff. This is not necessarily a dig or a ditch because you just touched on something around the absolutes that I think is a future topic. But let's hit it now. And that that's around like teachable moments versus banned for life. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, there's a lot of moments that, that we see happening, especially in social media, where, you know, there's a pretty quick jump to, you know, which is leapfrog the teachable moment and straight up like this person or this thing is trash and needs to go. Yes. And so how do we take the conversation we've been having around absolutist thinking around an educational app, website resource to, you know, maybe a moment in time or behavior uh, that, that we react to with absolutism? Oh boy. There, there's always an opportunity to talk to people in a way that makes the um, the the disagreement or the issue something that's more approachable, something that's more um, centered in a conversation uh, than than just these like firm positions about it being bad or good or you know that kind of stuff. And you know something came up today even where you know i i think that i think that the approach the the whitewashing of an issue with just one brush like covering over everybody with the same stroke uh mm. is bad and it's dangerous and it's toxic to be honest and i i think that you know the more i think the more that we start to realize 
that you know we're all people even online and on social media we're we're gonna have hopefully more opportunities to stop and evaluate the way we're speaking to each other and and realize that even online there's an opportunity to have you know a, a good conversation about why people think this way about something and then maybe get to a common ground or a place where we can at least understand each other and and move forward together in sort of a more amicable way than these 100% fixed positions. And just to bring back a previous episode, I think we talked about this, where part of this is how people are not including the originators of the conversation in another conversation, if you know what I mean. So in other words, they're not at somebody they're not having a conversation with the original thread. They're pulling the original thread of whatever might be and then starting their own thing of the people that are like-minded. So it's never a discussion. It's just like, here's what I'm going to list. And basically people saying, we don't even need to include whoever the, the topic is that we're talking about, whether it be in a specific app or in some cases, specific people. We're going to have this side conversation and have it over here. <laughs> And not ever let them know that we're talking about them, you know, in a negative way so that there is no discourse, there's no conversation. Um, and that just continues that uh, the cycle of this uh, toxic nature. Mm. Thoughtful as always, guys, you, you're really both just having my mind racing. Um, I, I had come up with that question um, a few weeks ago. I had I, I became privy to a situation in a school where some students had raised a concern about a teacher who was uh, had called out a student who was an exchange student for not speaking English in class. Oh, and, wow. you know, I think that – and the students handled it really just admirably. They went to administration. Um, they actually said, you know, we like this teacher, you know, but – we don't feel comfortable or safe, you know, with, with this type of talk happening. And, you know, all I could think about was, you know, if that were to hit social media, there would be calls for that teacher's head. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they're like, we go straight to this absolutist place, you know, and, and, you know, here's this teacher who turns out, you know, despite if we take almost to Mike's point, you know, the, about people being two dimensional versus three dimensional, right. Is a two dimensional, like single moment in time. It, it looks like, you know, this person needs to go. Right. But, you know, if we, as Mike said, ask questions, you know, if we take it as a teachable moment, you know, here this teacher, you know, my understanding has had, you know, a chance to have a conversation with, with higher ups as well as with the kids came to learn and, and understand, you know, what was problematic about it. And now things are, are back to being great in their class. And, hmm. you know, and so it was this teachable moment, but only because there was the grace of, you know, not allowing that absolutism to creep in. So I'm kind of glad to hear you, you guys, uh, we're on dig, dig, dig on ditching the absolutism. Mm. Um, let's go to streaks. So it's okay. your 100th episode. That's quite a streak. Woo. How do we feel? Dig it or ditch it for recognition of streaks? Hmm. And, I'll, and I'm bringing my – and I bring that to you as guys who I know are big into gamifications, if that helps with the lens that I'm bringing to that. So – recognition yeah. of streaks dig it or ditch it i the only lens i'm thinking about and then maybe mike will be able to turn it into something I, i'm thinking about just sports as far as you know repeat winners repeats uh you know that those types of streaks um 
And I'm trying to think of the lens of how you would view it inside of, you know, an, an educational uh, lens. And the only thing I can think of is things that are negative, like standardized testing or something like that. For me, I mean, in my lens, it's like <laughs> it's a negative lens that I'm thinking of. Uh, so what do you think, Mike? I can't, I can't bring it to. My wife was bragging about her calm streak. So calm is the, the, the meditation oh, the, app. The app. Yeah. And, and they, so, so there are two apps that you think of when you think, well, one app that you really think of when you think of streaks and that's the Snapchat streak. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but apparently. And listeners, if you're not familiar with Snapchat, Mike is not referring to a disappearing picture of people streaking. <laughs> so that might not be the worst. You, you get recognition for having consecutive days of, of sending and receiving snaps with the same user. You do. Just an important clarification, depending on what, what, what uh, levels of background knowledge people are bringing. And I still don't know how to use Snapchat. <laughs> I, it's funny, actually. I think that was like one of the first questions you ever asked on Dig It or Ditch It was about Snapchat. And I still don't know how to use Snapchat. I'm still uh, digging it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, but Calm is the meditation app and they have streaks. Um, and so that seems like a pretty good streak is, you know, how many days you can go doing a, a nice, cool, relaxing meditation. That's not the worst streak to have in the world. I think that, you know, having a Snapchat streak with 20 different people is pretty terrible. But, you know, um, having a meditation streak isn't so bad. So I, I dig streaks. I, I understand the concept, certainly, of, um, you know, from a gamification perspective of, of you know encouraging engagement encouraging user participation and um retaining of of users uh we would love for everyone who's listening to have a really awesome on education downloading streak <laughs> um please do that um you know and it's stickers and if you, for everybody if you want us to create a little app for you to record your streaks. Listen, if anyone can listen to this is episode 100. If you can get to episode 200 and verify that you've listened to every episode of On Education, I'll, I'll send you something. We'll 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 buy you some swag if you can verify every single episode. There, there's a streak. I have just turned Dig It or Ditch It into a promotional opportunity because that's the, how I roll. I just yeah, gamified the pod. Exactly. I could actually see it though, Mike. What you were talking about is a streak could be used to develop good habits. Sure. So my current streak right now is Hot yoga one day. No, no. <laughs> it's not better than that. It's uh, two weeks. It's actually 15 days of eating at least one big salad per day. So I was going to go crazy. Usually I, I'd go to the extreme edge of stuff, you know, and I'd say, I'm going to do this, you know, whatever it was. And then it's really tough to actually make that goal come true. But this was a simple thing. And, but it's now a streak. It's like, oh, got big salad, eat it up. Boom. Got my streak going. Something positive that I wasn't actually doing before. So a little something, little change in your life that can actually, you know, you can carry it forward. So I haven't had a drink in 10 days. Hey. I feel that's, like that's an okay streak. This is the longest okay. I've been without having a, a, an alcoholic beverage in 15 years. Oh, I was, I was going to say, I was wondering what, what was going to start then, the beginning of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so there's streak. There's, there's, there are definitely good streaks. 
Um, I, I love those responses. And, you know, the one that I, I'm surprised didn't come is perfect attendance streaks. Oh yeah. Uh, Duolingo uh, streaks. Um, so, but I also, my, I'm not going to, I thought Mike was going to be a ditch on that one. Uh, it sounds like we've got dig, dig, dig on that. Um, one last final one guys. And, and this might not necessarily be a hundred unless you, you think of, uh, just, uh, in monetary sense, you know, unless you the, uh, take it to a hundred. Exactly. You take it to a hundred pennies. It's a dollar, sometimes okay. $2, sometimes even more loot boxes, dig it mm. or ditch it. I'll let Mike go first on this one. Loot see, box. See, this is because Glenn actually likes me. <laughs> I know he does. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. Um, as someone that has, you know, at least allocated a little bit of disposable income towards gaming um, in whatever way I choose to, to spend that money that month, um, you know, if a loot box is going to save me time doing something that's monotonous in a video game, I actually don't mind it a little bit. I have money to spend. It's a choice. You do not have to necessarily spend your money on loot boxes. Now, that being said, so this is a total lukewarm take because it's complicated, trademark. (laughs) Um, Loot boxes are predatory. 100% predatory. See how I'm like, I integrated the 100%. Of the entire and, argument. I see what and, you did there, and I and I did absolutism. Yes. And <laughs> all the all the things I'm ditching. Uh, loot boxes are absolutely predatory. They they prey on people's inability to have self control. They they prey on things like streaks. To be honest, um, wow, I'm integrating all of the dig it or digits into this answer. Um, and they, that's why they're being regulated. Like there's a reason why governments are taking a stand against loot boxes in, especially the EU, they're going hard on loot boxes because Mm. there is toxic kind of destructive financial behavior surrounding them and like financial literacy, which no one learns anymore in school. Um, so kids are just obsessed with, the reward structure of a thing opening up and there being fireworks and yay, I just got a new skin in Fortnite. Um, and that, that dopamine hit is strong. That's a powerful, powerful force in gaming. Um, so I, I, I dig the benefits of loot boxes and I certainly am ditching the way that they're currently constructed. So Mike just took every side of that one. Yeah. I, I'm going to dig it in that context of what Mike's talking about as far as it being part of games. Um, and it, I think it's just our responsibility as parents to be able to go ahead and let our kids know, like, what is the value? Like what you're just talking about, Mike, I don't know if a school is the place to teach kids about money. It should be something that I learned here at my house. Uh, and it should be something that I actually show my kids how to go ahead and go about doing those things. Though I could definitely see what you're talking about. I mean, I didn't learn anything good from my parents and I think you've shared something good as far as I didn't learn anything good that has to do with finances. No, um, and not financial. at all from my family. But I don't know if I would have listened at all at, at, at school level if someone was teaching me as far as the economics or whatever it might be, especially with the poll of something like this where you're talking about as far as the video games. Inside of video games, I think that it's, a great tool 
like you just said, for people that want to go in and spend some money to be able to get ahead. Uh, or, and like, for example, in Hearthstone. There it is. Uh, where I actually, you could play the game for free and grind your way towards being able to play the game competitively. So it's time versus money. You're, you're, you're using those two things. So the money accelerates the, the, the time that you have to invest. So it's one of those things where you have to talk about those things really, and you just take a step back. I'm going to teach my sons and I, I am doing this currently as far as what is the value of this thing called money and what does it actually mean? How, how do we actually earn it? And what does it take to actually get this? And then why you want to go ahead and make sure that you make good decisions about how you decide to go ahead and spend it. But that's another conversation. And I'm not even sure if that's exactly where you were headed, Noah, as far as loot boxes. I'm heading wherever you guys want to take it. Uh, and I, I love where you guys went, you know, and I, I'm with you on digging it. And uh, my caveat, of course, is that, uh, well, I'm, and Mike and Glenn know this, but I'm the geek who reads about video gaming but doesn't actually game. And so, so I've spent zero dollars. I've never even seen a loot box, um, but I'm hardcore digging them because I, I, I think that's fascinating that, you know, like 20 years ago, there was no such thing as like the app store, right? They just created this entire economy that didn't previously exist. And look at all the the innovation and things that that opened up. So just from an innovation and where we go, you know, in creating the jobs, you know, that will exist in the future and in a world of outsourcing automation, I think things like loot boxes that are clearly, you know, very hot are are one of the right answers to spark that innovation. So I'm I'm really digging it for that reason. Um, You know, I, I, the, I, the predatory thing bothers me less than uh, the debate about whether it's gambling um, with people who are under 18, especially. But uh, in light of that, the other place I'm really digging it is just at, like from a pedagogical standpoint, you know, in a game based learning, for example, why wouldn't we be bringing in loop, but not to where kids are buying that they don't have to take a test, but, you know, perhaps there's other currencies, right. That are happening within a class and, and that, you know, ways of just leveraging student engagement through mechanisms and levers of things that, you know, are, are reminiscent of loot boxes without being predatory, I guess. Yeah. This is definitely a topic we need to continue to have a conversation on. Well, only because it's the same it's the same strategies that social media companies are using with the you know the red badge when you get notifications that's it's preying on those same instincts uh, gambling is preying like loot boxes are using the strategies that they've learned from the gambling industry and from the social media industries and the you know anything that causes an addiction um, that isn't like a chemical addiction is is what the lessons are being learned like this is where they are getting their insights from in terms of of loot boxes so it is a real problem it's not as big a problem in um in the west but in in places in asia and in in europe we've seen like some pretty um crazy kind of situations related to loot boxes and and the way it's it's being handled so um it's it's definitely got to get 
reined in a little bit. That's for sure. So this is a super interesting conversation, though. And and certainly uh, Glenn's little, I don't know if anyone caught that Glenn said that he didn't necessarily think that financial literacy should be taught in school. We're going to have to dig into that a little bit, too, maybe. I don't know. Did you actually say that? Did I catch that right? Yes. I, d- I just cool. don't think that it should be the first place where you're going to learn those types of things. It's like saying, it's like dumping everything onto schools. Really, that's what I'm talking about. It's like saying, that. okay, okay. we're going to teach, we're going to teach about uh, uh, sex ed, ed, but we're never going to teach it at the house. The you know what's actually happening here. We're not. We're going to teach about financial literacy in schools, but you know, because parents they don't have enough time to go ahead and do these kinds of things. It's fine if we supplement materials, but really, our we as parents need to step up and really raise our kids too, and and have a part in this thing instead of saying. We're going to dump all of these things onto the schools and then let them, their responsibility. And then we can always blame them. And you can have be the scapegoat. All yeah. kids these days haven't learned, blur, whatever it might be. You can attach a million things to it. It's like, no, you haven't taught your own kids anything. If that's really where we're headed, you know, as far as in this conversation, but that's really what I, where I was headed. So there we are. Episode 100 in, <laughs> in the book. Great streak. This is this is a pretty sweet streak, um, and hopefully, uh, when we get to episode two hundred, we'll do another epic uh, dig it or ditch it episode again. Uh, Noah Geisel, thanks for joining us uh, again for another great episode. Hey, thank you so much for having me, and uh, to any Jewish listeners out there, Happy New Year! It is speaking of streaks, year five thousand seven hundred and eighty on our calendar. There it is. Nice. Very good. All right, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at OnEducationPod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting Facebook.com slash OnEducationPod. We're also on Instagram at OnEducationPod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.